the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. in the studio today if you're watching on it over on uh, facebook i almost said mtv if you're if you're watching on facebook i've never been on mtv i don't know why i would ever say that anyway uh, if you're watching on facebook how are you today it's good to see you again uh the folks at salem got everything up as far as the internet goes after that terrible hack that happened to us how long was that? About five weeks ago now? Yeah, it's over a month. It was really bad. They Somebody put a worm in our system, and it took them that long to find all the remnants because it, it broke up in pieces. I don't look. I'm, I'm going to talk in the way that I know it. Okay, if you're a you know some kind of computer guru or whatever, just bear with me. But it broke up in pieces and got all through the system of uh, Salem and uh, has really caused us a whole lot of problems. I mean, a large amount of problems, but those have been healed now. Uh, there are a few things still going on, nothing that will um, have any effect on our listeners now or our viewers. So we are back up and rolling again. It's good to see you all here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Good to talk to you as normally uh, on the radio as well. Of course, I'm just back from vacation. I got back on Monday evening. We were back on the air yesterday with Elizabeth and the Bible guys. And uh, today uh, in the five, uh, 5 o'clock or 6 p.m. hour, the 6 p.m. hour this evening, uh, you'll be able to hear Duck and, uh, and uh, Joe. Now, is it 6 or 7 tonight? 7 tonight. For right now, it's 7 because uh, we've got uh, the special evening edition of uh, In Your Business that airs at 6 p.m. So I'll be on at 7 p.m. tonight, and you'll want to be listening to hear uh, the hour that we have with Joe and with Duck. Now, if you have a car question, if you'll just send it, to Dave at SalemLR.com. That's S-A-L-E-M-L-R.com. It'll get to me, and we've already got a bunch of questions here, but if you uh, send me one today, uh, you'll probably make the cut, and uh, we'll ask it uh, during the time that we have uh, Duck and Joe on. Now, send it to me before, I would say, 8.30 this morning, because we record that that hour between 8 and 9 o'clock, and then it airs back this evening at uh, 7 p.m. So if you got a car or truck, 
you know, question. That's how you get it to me, Dave, at uh, SalemLR.com. U.S. banks flagged suspicious financial transactions between Hunter Biden's firms and Russian and Chinese nationals, including a businessman who had extensive ties to the CCP, you know, the CHICOMs, uh, the Chinese Communist Party. That, according to a highly anticipated uh, report that's going to be released today by two Republican-controlled Senate committees. The report asserts that the wire transfers, which total in the millions of dollars, raise concerns about potential conflicts of interest involving Biden as well as, quote, quoting right from the report now, criminal, financial, counterintelligence, and uh, extortion uh, concerns. The report, which the Daily Caller News Foundation obtained ahead of its release, also states that State Department officials expressed reservations in 2015 and then again in 2016 about Biden's links to Burisma Holdings now, where have we heard about that? Where have we heard that story? Oh, that's right. We've heard about it for several years now, and nothing's ever come of it. The vice president said, my son had nothing going on that was wrong. This report states otherwise. That was a Ukrainian energy company that has been dogged by bribery allegations. One official, Amos Hotstein, told the Senate Homeland Security and Senate Finance Committee that he said to then-Vice President Joe Biden in October 2015 that Hunter, his position on the board of Burisma, quote, enabled Russian disinformation efforts and risked undermining U.S. policy in the Ukraine. Did the vice president do anything? Nope. Absolutely not. Nothing wrong. There was nothing wrong here. Nothing was going on that was wrong. Come on. You think I'd let my son, you know, make millions of dollars doing something I knew was wrong? Well, his name is Biden. What can I say? Uh, Biden, who's 50, joined Burisma's board of directors in April 2014, shortly after his father Joe Biden took over as the Obama administration's chief liaison in uh, the Ukraine. One of the administration's goals was to help Ukraine fix its problems with corruption. But from uh, uh, the State Department officials question whether the younger Biden's work for Burisma posed a problem because the company's owner was under investigation for money laundering and extortion. George Kent, who served as deputy chief of mission to the Ukraine through 2018, testified that uh, the uh, company's owner was an odious uh, oligarch who likely paid a $7 million bribe to a Ukrainian prosecutor general in December 2014, months after Hunter Biden joined Burisma's board, according to the report. Emails, emails, all right? Now, 
they're not just making this up out of whole cloth. Uh, they've got real emails here, unlike what the Democrats had during the whole uh, impeachment thing. The only emails we had were uh, Strzok and Page and all the rest of them talking about, well, we got to get this guy. we got to undermine uh, the president. Anyway, these emails cited in the report show that Kent raised Burisma's issues with corruption to other State Department officials. Kent also told the uh, committee on July 24th of this year that he said to Joe Biden's national security staff in February of 2015, now, if you have a high school diploma and you passed math class, you will uh, understand that that's five years ago. Uh, that uh, Hunter Biden's role at Burisma, quote, could create the perception of a conflict of interest. Ken told Joe Biden's staff that, quote, someone needed to talk to Hunter and he should step down from the board. Hostein and Kent's warnings went unheeded. Big surprise. Hopefully, you know, Joe was able to think a little clearly then. Was he living in his basement then? In 20, I don't know if he was living in his basement. Or, he might have been. Who knows? Uh, Joe Biden avoided publicly criticizing Burisma or the owner uh, of, of the company. And Hunter Biden remained on Burisma's board until his father announced his presidential campaign in April of last year. The report says that Burisma paid a consulting firm controlled by Hunter Biden. Let me repeat that to you. The report says that Burisma paid a consulting firm controlled by Hunter Biden and Devin Archer, his business partner, partner and fellow Burisma director, more than three and a half million buckaroos from May of 2014 to February of 2016. Burisma sent nine wire transfers from January 2016 to November 26th, January to November, totaling $752,054 to Biden's law firm, OWASCO, according to the report. Uh, So you've got this whole thing. The Republicans say the documents show a troubling picture of Biden receiving millions of dollars from foreign sources as a result of business relationships that he built during the period when his father was vice president of the United States and after. So let me ask you, if you were the, if you were a guy that owned a company and you wanted to give instantaneous legitimacy to your company, what's the best way to do that? Do you say hire the vice president's son for your board? You know, that, that thought crossed my mind as I read this report this morning. So anyway, that's out there. Uh, that's a story that's going to have some legs. We'll have to find out what they what more they find out as uh, this uh, continues on uh, with uh, these folks uh, at, uh, at Burisma and, and Hunter Biden. But Lots of smoke, lots of smoke. I guarantee you there's fire there. Whether it'll come out before the election, who knows? Democrats will do everything to bury it 
All right, we got 617 in the morning right now here on the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM. Let's get your traffic, your weather, and everything. We got all the news that you need to know. Plus, I'll be back with more information about the Supreme Court. Special guest from the uh, RNC coming up at 635 to talk about each of the women who are up. I mean, everybody's talking about uh, Bartlett right now. There's four other women that are being considered. Uh, we'll talk about all four of them as well as the show continues this morning right here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. Well, it's gotten underway already. Amy Cohen Bartlett, they're, they're attacking her. You see they're calling her, you know, a uh, Roman Catholic Pentecostal now. Not not bad enough that she's Roman Catholic, but uh, they're going to throw in Pentecostals because you know what a lot of people think about Pentecostals, those are weird people talking tongues. You know, they always, you know, get it, get at them, even though it's biblically based. But, but bottom line, uh, you know, you throw Pentecostal into the mix and you're really, you're making her sound like she belongs to some cult. And they're tying this to the, uh, the book and to the TV show, uh, The Handmaiden's Tale is what they're doing. And you know what the the major problem is with Bartlett, according to uh, uh, the media? She goes to Bible study. Woo-hoo. Guess what? I go to Bible study. So I guess I'm one of those whack jobs as well uh, out there uh, doing uh, uh, my thing uh, also. But anyway, they've, they're, they're attacking uh, her Roman Catholicism. So if you're a Roman Catholic, man, if you can vote for a Democrat, more power to you. They're out to make you look like an idiot as much as uh, they they absolutely uh, can as far as, as that's concerned. So uh, let me get you the, the, the latest information on this. I've got, got it all here. It's all popping up into my phone as I speak. Got to load it, download it. Still got to download stuff at times. Drives me crazy. But uh, bottom line, Newsweek is going to be leading with the story today, and Reuters uh, is uh, doing a story. They're working on a story about her religious views. See, now if, if you're a Christian, you're open game. And, and gosh, you who have supported the Democratic Party for years and years and years and years, thought well they would never come after us that's what you all that's what you thought isn't it they never bother you yeah that's not the way it works for those the left eats its young that's what they do they eat their young newsweek uh, is now being forced to issue a major retraction uh, after it smeared barrett uh, claiming she belongs to a sect that is inspired by The Handmaid's Tale. Now, if you haven't ro- watched The Handmaid's Tale, uh, this is where they force women to give birth to children. Uh, it's a patriarchy. There's men at the top, and they force the women, you know, to uh, to give birth to uh to to kids you know so to further the aim of the cult uh that they belong to 
so it's pretty easy to figure out what the, the, the left is saying here. Initially, Newsweek claimed that People of Praise was a charismatic Catholic group to which Barrett reportedly belongs, quote, served as inspiration for Margaret Atwood's dystopian novel, The Handmaid's Tale, adding that female members are forced to report to spiritual superiors known as handmaids and that the group stresses that, quote, men have authority over their wives. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe that? See, this is what happens when atheists and non-believers get involved in religious discussions that they have no idea what they're talking about. None, zero, zilch, nilch, none, none, nada. I mean, they don't have a clue about what does this whole thing about men, you know, being the head of women have to do with this. You know, what's that all about? So anyway, uh, members of the people of praise are assigned to personal advisors of the same sex called a head for men and handmaid for women until the rise of popularity of Atwood's novel and the television series based on it forced a change in what they've said. The outlet reported that Atwood herself has indicated that the group's existence motivated her to write The Handmaid's Tale set in the fictional Gilead where women's bodies are governed and uh, treated as the property of the state under a theocratic regime. All right, let's get Jacob. He wants to join us on the conversation on this. Hey, Jacob, how are you? And uh, right. welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, good morning, Dave. It's great to have you back in the studio. Uh, I was your, The cardboard cutouts were starting to get a little bit uh, lonely in yeah. there. <laughs> I'm thinking about, you know, the people who can't come to the studio still. I'm thinking about getting cardboard cutouts for them like they do in Major League Baseball and put them in the chairs across from me. What do you think? You think it works? Oh, that. That's a great idea. That's cool. It's like a lot of times people tell me that it's like they say they I, I put up sort of I have a lot of toys and Donald Trump related stuff. And they say, well, are you a grown up? What, what do you, why do you have all these toys and all this stuff and those kitsch type stuff? What it's kind of like a child would do when they sort of idolize somebody. <laughs> but I don't care. Yeah, I got you. I appreciate your, your call. Thanks. I'm, we're talking about the handmaid. We're not talking about the cutouts here in the uh, in the studio anyway uh, we got news coming up at the bottom of the hour that's going to be here in two minutes coming up in the next half hour gail trotter is going to join us you've heard gail on fox and cnn and a lot of other uh different uh news programs she's an attorney political analyst columnist she's going to join with us and we're going to talk about these women that the president has on his short list Uh, for Supreme Court nominees. Now, should the president do this? And everybody says, well, look at Garrett Merritt. All right, let's let's remember what happened on on GM. Uh, The president uh, came out and said that he should be uh, looked at by the Senate 
and they should give him an up and down vote. That's not what the Constitution says. That's not what it says. It says that the uh, president nominates and then the Senate advises and consents. And uh, the Senate at that time, I think that's back in 2016, if I'm not mistaken, the Senate said, we're not going to take it up right now. We're not going to take it up. We're not going to talk about him. He doesn't fit our criteria for a Supreme Court judge. That's, that's what they said. And, be, and, and that is what the Constitution says that uh, they're supposed to do, advising consent. So they advised Obama at that time that they were not going to hold meetings. All right, so I wanted to get kind of some thumbnail sketches of these different women who are being promoted uh, by the president on his short list. Uh, and he made sure that everybody understood it was a woman who's going to be nominated. Last night, there at his Pittsburgh rally, that's exactly uh, what he said. He said, if if you're a man and uh, you want to hold your hand up, if you want to be considered for the Supreme Court. And I guess one guy did, and, and uh, the president started laughing about that. But uh, there are four women that I know of, that are right on the uh, tip of the spear. The one that we're hearing the most about right now, I'm really excited about. I, uh, Heidi, you remember I was hoping that they would name her as the replacement uh, for, uh, uh, who was it, uh, Kennedy. Uh, when Kennedy, uh, you know, resigned and, and moved on into the, the sunset and said, uh, we got Kavanaugh, and we saw what happened to Kavanaugh in the hearings. Uh, and I made the I made the statement back during the Kavanaugh hearings. I said, "Folks, this isn't the worst. You think what you're seeing is the worst." I said, "The worst will come when uh, Ginsburg either retires or dies, and they have to put up somebody for her, because this will change the whole balance." of the Supreme Court. And I said, if you think it's ugly now, this is just handball. This is, you know, this isn't big stuff. Now we're playing, you know, nuclear bombs and hand grenades and the whole nine yards. And Gail Trotter's joining us from the RNC, attorney, political analyst, columnist. Uh, you've heard her and seen her on television many a time. Gail, thanks for joining us today here on the Dave Ellswick Show in Little Rock. We appreciate you getting up so early and being part of the show. Let's run over the four main names that are out there that we're hearing. Of course, let's start off with the name that we are hearing the most about, which is Amy Coney Barrett, who of all of these ladies is probably everybody knows everything to know about her because she, she already went through the confirmation uh, process and it was a hot confirmation process for her start with her th- th- this lady evidently just strikes fear into the democrats good morning it is great to join you from washington dc and yes 
there are some excellent jurists on President Trump's list, and there are names that have been really uh, floated at the top of this list. And Amy Coney Barrett is certainly one of the um, ones that has generated a lot of excitement and buzz around the country. Uh, As you know, she's a mother of seven children, and uh, there was an excellent New York Post article about her, and they had quotes by people from all of her academic career who said how amazingly smart she was. And she is someone that has already been confirmed by the United States Senate when President Trump nominated her for the uh, U.S. Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit. So she's already gone through the grilling. You might remember that Senator Dianne Feinstein, in talking to her, uh, brought up her religious beliefs and insulted her by saying, uh, or supposedly insulted her by saying, the dogma lives loudly within you. And that offended a lot of people, not just religious people around the country, but people of good faith who know that the Constitution does not have a religion test. And she is someone who is esteemed as a really well-qualified, excellent legal thinker. She has judicial experience. She comes from the heartland, and she would be an excellent, excellent addition to the Supreme Court. But she's not the only one. The American people, as you noted, know that there are uh, many people on President Trump's list of equal caliber. Well, you got a Cuban-American, and I don't do identity politics, but it's a big thing that everybody's pushing out there about her, Barbara Lagoa, and she is also on this list. In fact, uh, Barrett and Lagoa are the two on the tip of his tongue, although he's been uh, starting to talk about Joan Larson uh, more often uh, here in in uh, the recent uh, uh, present. So let's let's start off with uh, with Barbara. Tell us about her. Sure. Well, she is an excellent jurist as well. She, like you said, don't play identity politics, but she was the first Hispanic woman on the Florida Supreme Court, which had a lot of resonance with the uh, residents of Florida who had fled uh, communist dictatorship in Cuba. And I was pleased to live tweet her hearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee when President Trump elevated her to the 11th Circuit, which includes Florida. And one of my favorite moments of her hearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee was she and Ted Cruz were going back and forth with questions. And she explained how, uh, you know, her family being from Cuba, she understood the difference between Cuba and the American system of law, and she pointed out to Senator Cruz and to uh, the entire nation that we're a nation of laws and not of men. And that is something that really resonates right now with everything going on. And she as well would be an excellent choice by by President Trump should he choose to nominate her. The the pro-choice folks uh, really kind of like her. Uh, the pro-life people are a little concerned because she said that she thought 
uh, Roe v. Wade was settled law. Do you think that hurts your chances? I don't think so, because people understand that this nomination is not about one issue. And, uh, you know, the, the, there are so many issues that the Supreme Court deals with. And the left would like to portray this as a single issue and try to uh, tank any of President Trump's nominees. But it goes so much further than that. And you want someone who is fair and independent and who can uh, make sure that they interpret the laws instead of inventing new rights. And so what's really important is judicial philosophy. And certainly uh, just Judge Lagoa and Judge Barrett have demonstrated that they have a commitment to this type of judicial philosophy mm-hmm. in the mold of Justice Scalia and Justice Thomas. Yeah, let me go back to Barrett just for a second, because I just find it so interesting that we fought this Roman Catholicism uh, back in 1960 with uh, JFK. Remember, he was the first Roman Catholic ever to be elected president. And I remember things that were said back then. I was really young, but I still remember them talking about him being beholden to the Pope and and all the rest. It's really amazing that the the Democrats had uh, run, of course, uh, uh, protection for John F. Kennedy, and now they're attacking a a woman who wants to be perhaps a Supreme Court justice over the same issue. Right, and they did that in full view of the American voter. Uh, when Senator Dianne Feinstein said this, this was in a public hearing, and it was something that is on video. You can go watch it and see the rank religious bias and bigotry against uh, Judge Barrett. And this is something you don't have to be Catholic or Christian or any religion to know that that is not right in our system. And it reflects so poorly, not only on Senator Feinstein, but on her entire party. Let's talk about Allison Jones rushing. Here's a name that a lot of people have not heard. Tell us about her. Sure. She's from North Carolina, and you might have heard Chief of Staff Mark Meadows talk about her, and uh, obviously being the the home choice, right? Uh, She's a judge on the United States Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit, and she was a partner at Williams & Connolly, and she was a former Justice Thomas clerk at the Supreme Court and Judge David Sentel on the D.C. Circuit Court. And she also clerked for Judge Gorsuch. So she has quite good bona fides in who she worked for. And I think that translates for a lot of these uh, Supreme Court justices clerks that they get to really get expert uh, education on the judicial philosophies of the judges that they work for. And there's a a simpatico in, in the way that they can understand the Constitution. So she is, as you said, certainly a name that is being talked about a lot, too. Not Maybe not as much as the other two as well, and people might not be as familiar with her, but she is an excellent legal mind, fair, independent, and she would be faithful to the Constitution as well. Lastly, Joan Larson, big push kind of going in uh, towards the end of this consideration for who is going to be put up as the next person 
uh, for Supreme Court for a nominee. Uh, she is an evangelical. Let's talk about her. She's on the Sixth Circuit, and she was on President President Trump's 2017 list. And like these other women, she is someone who has demonstrated her faithfulness to interpreting the law instead of uh, airbrushing rights out of the Constitution and inventing new rights. And Mm -hmm. like you said, she's just not as well known at this point as the other women. But I think that was the case with... um, with some of the other nominees. And that's actually uh, why President Trump has this, you know, list so that people can understand who these people are. And and I think the important thing to remember is that with John Paul Stevens, he went from nomination to confirmation in 19 days. Sandra Day O'Connor only took 33 days between nomination and confirmation. And even Ruth Bader Ginsburg, whose seat that we're talking about filling the vacancy, filling the seat, it only took 42 days between her nomination and her confirmation. So any of President Trump's choices, including these women that you have mentioned, are top flight uh, legal minds. They are among the best. They are trailblazers in their own right. And they would do um, they would do President Trump's choice well if if they end up being the eventual nominee. I'm going to I'm going to keep you just for a few more moments. Uh, The Democrats have been really rattling the sabers and 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 crying and they put on their sackcloth and throwing ashes on themselves and typical stuff that they do. Uh, Schumer yesterday said that they were invoking the two hour rule. Do you understand this, and can you kind of explain this to us? There are many Senate protocols that they are going to try and use to derail this nom- nomination and at least put it off as long as, as possible for them. And this is something that uh, has been done in the past where how long you have to go through debate and it can extend the time that is needed for debate. But this is something that Senator McConnell can decide is not necessary in this uh, situation. And it's been considered in the past, too, cutting the length of debate. Uh, but it, it makes a lot of sense, given what a, a circus, a complete and utter circus Judge Judge Kavanaugh's hearing was when he was nominated to the Supreme Court to not allow someone to be a victim of character assassination on the floor of the U.S. Senate. Yeah, I mean, Lindsey Graham, Senator Graham, has been very, very outspoken that he likes to follow things by the book, but the Kavanaugh hearings convinced him that you can't uh, you can't deal with the Democrats that way anymore. You got to get in, get out, get it done. No more Spartacuses. <laughs> that, I forgot. I forgot about uh, him standing up. Not not Graham, <laughs> but uh, Cory Booker standing basically and saying that he was Spartacus. Real quickly, do you worry about the Democrats? They're talking about D.C. and Puerto Rico as new states which would give the four new senators uh, in the Senate. They've talked about stacking the court going back to FDR days in 1937 and then getting rid of the Electoral College as well. I mean, this is these are serious, serious issues that they're raising. It's all about power. It seems that the Democrat Party's top goal is 
power. Their top value is power. And this is nothing new. It has nothing to do with this vacancy. It has nothing to do with, uh, you know, thinking about what's good for the country. Instead, this is something that they've been suggesting for over a year. Sheldon Whitehouse, senator from Rhode Island, uh, which is what, 0.3% of the population of the United States. He uh, wrote in an amicus brief to the Supreme Court last summer that if essentially if the Supreme Court didn't rule the way that Senator Whitehouse and other Democrat senators wanted it to rule, that they were suggesting that the court be, quote, restructured, Mm -hmm. meaning exactly what you're talking about, court packing and uh, trying to weigh out the balance. Are you going to end up having 110,000 Supreme Court justices because you're going to continue to want to um, switch the power back and forth from the Republicans to the Democrats? Even Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg said last year that she thought nine justices was the right amount. Joe Biden said the same when he was going through the debate process when he was asked about adding justices on. And at that time, when it suited his purposes, he said, well, if we add three, then they come back in power, they'll add three, and it takes away from the impact of the uh, the reputation of the Supreme Court. So I think it's patently obvious that this is a power play by the Democrats because they want to assume more power. They don't want to have to work through the legislative process. They want to try and stack everything to their advantage, and that is something that the American people should resist. All right, our guest, Gail uh, Trotter, we thank her for being on the show today. Thank you very much, uh, Gail. Well-known yes, attorney. Yes, to join you. Uh, political analyst and columnist. We will talk to you down the road, I'm sure, as the Supreme Court nomination process continues. Let's get our final break in for this hour. When we come back, I'll play a little cut, if we've got time, from Amy Cohen Barrett and about how she views a judge. All right, just a couple of minutes left here in the first hour. Thanks for joining us today here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I uh, hope that you enjoyed Gail Trotter. I got to tell you, when they said that she was available to join us today, I said, absolutely. Uh, She, uh, being an attorney, uh, is uh, well-known in legal circles as well as uh, the columnists and the, the political analysts, and I knew that she could give us some pretty good thumbnails on these uh, these ladies to give you an idea of who's being talked about as a potential nominee for the Supreme Court. I want to go back to Amy uh, Coney Barrett, who has been attacked for her Roman Catholicism, saying that you know uh, me think that your uh, uh, Catholicism is strong in this one kind of a. Uh, a Yoda thing that uh, Diane Feinstein did when she was being confirmed uh, earlier uh, to a court position. And here's what she had to say at Hillsdale College just last year about the role of a judge. John Adams put aside personal preferences. He stood up to public pressure and he did his duty. And moreover, he did it to the best of his ability. He didn't do his grudging minimal best. He did his absolute best, and the captain was acquitted, and most of the soldiers were, and those who were not escaped the death penalty. Now, John Adams did these things as a lawyer, but adhering to duty in the face of a contrary personal or political preference and in the face of public pressure to the contrary has particular resonance for the job of a judge. 
a judge is obligated to apply the law as it is and not as she wishes it would be. She is obliged to follow the law even when her personal preferences cut the other way or when she will experience great public criticism for doing so. All right. That's pretty clear, I think. I think that that's pretty clear. Later on in the show, we'll hear from uh, Lindsey Graham, Senator Graham, uh, about the Supreme Court votes. He says that the Republicans have it, uh, have those votes uh, to hear, have the hearings, uh, get the nominee, vet it, and then get the vote done before the election. We'll talk about that. Coming up after the news, uh, Congressman French Hill will join us from the 2nd District. He always does that on Wednesdays. We got a half hour with him, and that's coming up here in just a few moments. But right now, uh, we got to get the news to you. So let's get to that. You're listening to the Dave Ellswick Show here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. to give us a call he's supposed to be with us here momentarily uh does this every wednesday to to uh talk uh we've got our agenda set up i've got some different subjects that i told him we wanted to talk about uh those include but does not mean only uh a kind of a new contract with america that congress uh, the Republican congressmen have come up with uh, called Commitment to America. The uh, COVID-19, where we're at as far as uh, relief goes, uh, uh, Mnuchin was talking about this yesterday, as was, I think, the head of the Federal Reserve. The uh, discharge petition, which passed late last night, and we'll talk to uh, the congressmen of why farmers seem to uh, you know, the farm aid seemed to be holding that up. And then uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Supreme Court. Now, Congress really doesn't have a whole lot to do uh, with uh, Supreme Court nominees. That's uh, the uh, the bailiwick of the uh, the Senate. But I'm sure that the congressman would like to uh, weigh in on it. We can talk about how the Democrats now are hoping to uh, past statehood for Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico. That would give us four additional senators, give them control, they believe, of the Supreme Court, or not Supreme Court, but the Senate. Uh, they want to stack the court. They've made that very clear and get rid of the Electoral College. They've made that clear as well. So and, and it just amazes me. I guess they believe that the American people, congressmen, are absolutely dumb 
that somehow getting rid of the electoral that the electoral college is the way for the minority to control the United States of of America. I mean that's basically what they say, not in those particular words, but that's what they say. Don't you agree? Well, it's turning. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yes, it's turning. Uh, the country over to a minority of voters, and that minority of voters would be in large urban areas like New York. So this is the uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez full employment plan. Uh, (laughs) But I think it's unconstitutional. I don't anticipate it. It's not something that Congress can do. I believe it would take a constitutional amendment, essentially. And you'd have an extensive debate. So to me, Dave, it's a throwaway progressive left talking point for cable news it's really not a serious proposal all right well definitely i can say as far as arkansas has been concerned it's been you know it's been brought up uh, over the last few general uh sessions that that whoever gets the most votes in a state in our state all of our votes would go towards that one uh person because that's not the way it has to go right now with the electors. They can give so many to certain candidates and things of that nature. They just want. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, Maine is an example. You hear President Trump talk about Maine a lot. Now, Maine apportions their electoral vote by district. Um, so they have two congressional districts. So Trump won one, and uh, the Democrat won the other. For example, uh, you have others, as you say, that would aggregate it so that it's the popular vote of the total state, not by congressional district. Uh Um, But that doesn't still, that's maintaining the electoral college and not going off in a, in a, you know, wild goose chase, like I hear on, on cable news at night. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. You you hear, you hear a lot of things now. You hear a lot of things. You know, uh, in Alice, the wonderland, the queen said she could believe 10 impossible things before breakfast. And that's what the Democrats are doing now. They think they can turn Puerto Rico and the district into a state. They think they can abolish the electoral college. They think they can abolish the filibuster, which would be filibustered. They think they can, uh, uh, in turn, uh, tax a court. So that's not quite 10, but I'm sure they have some more Green New Deal National health care that takes away your choice, takes away your private insurance, takes away Medicare Advantage. We can get to 10 pretty quick. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. You can definitely get to 10 really fast with uh, Nancy Pelosi and her crew. Let's talk about this commitment to America. Is this kind of a new contract with America that you all have come up with? It is. You know, I've been uh, I really appreciate uh, the leadership uh, by Kevin McCarthy to meet with members and get 150 good ideas that we put in commitment to America. I've been on him since March and April to do that, Dave, because I think every presidential election year and every two years in the House, we need to renew uh, our commitment to the American voters with what would we do if we were blessed to have uh, 16 additional Republican seats and take back the House? What would be our priorities? What are the president's priorities if he's reelected? And so we worked on commitment for America to do that. First one is to restore our health, which means rapid testing for everybody, point of sale testing. Uh, It means 
having a, a vaccine uh, that uh, we were in a meeting for two hours last night with Secretary Azar of Human Services. And what's happening in therapeutics and vaccines is so exciting. It means uh, restoring our health, meaning choice and affordable coverage and fixing the failures of Obamacare. Uh, renew our belief in the American dream, where we prize the Bill of Rights and individual freedom and law and order in our communities. And then I think the most important is rebuild our economy. And here, I think the Republican policies of low regulations, low and uh, balanced uh, taxation, uh, open markets for American goods to travel abroad, all lead to a a much better chance at rebuilding the economy under Donald Trump's leadership rather than Joe Biden's, who has proposed a $4 trillion tax increase yes. as his opening act. Oh, but but wait, Congressman, that's only going to happen to the rich. That's not going to happen to the, to the average American. I mean, surely if we pass these new taxes, uh, companies wouldn't pass them on to the consumer. Well, yeah, he fails to mention that he's going to tax uh, IRA accounts. He's going to raise the corporate income tax, which doesn't make any difference. If you're a mom-and-pop company and you pay the corporate tax rate, you're going to pay a higher income tax, as well as high incomes or higher income taxes on uh, uh, working Americans uh, up to, up and down the scale. So that's that old democratic uh, trick is stale but they never uh stop talking about it they just rename it <clears throat> yep you know they just rename it and, and keep on so uh, <clears throat> a new contract with america called commitment to america of course the contract uh, uh for america was uh, the brainchild of of newt and dick army back in the day in the 90s and they and, and depending on who you talk to uh, they're the ones who wrote it <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They worked on it together big time, and both of them were terrific uh, salespersons. This uh, approach we've taken to Commitment for America is broad and comprehensive, and it's very similar to the approach that we took in 2016 when we unveiled the Better Way agenda that led to the biggest tax reform for American families in a generation. Well, let's talk about COVID-19. I mean, uh, it's not like nobody's not talking about it anymore. What about relief? What are we looking at? Mnuchin uh, spoke yesterday a little bit. Uh, the head of the Federal Reserve spoke a little bit of, about it yesterday. What's your gut feeling about what's happening? Well, uh, since late July, uh, Speaker Pelosi has held up the common sense things that American families want to continue the fight against the virus and help this economic recovery such as fixing the unemployment compensation issue, really give people some certainty about that for the 11 million people that are still uh, unemployed from the pandemic. Uh, extend the Paycheck Protection Program. Make sure it's available for all of our small businesses that are still incurring uh, a struggle to reopen. And, of course, that's uh, worse in states that completely shut down. Fortunately, Arkansas is not one of those. Uh, it also would have flexibility for our governors to spend the money that we've already given the states in a more effective way to help do broadband, uh, potentially do infrastructure spending and some other things that states want to do. So she's blocked that because she's still asking for $915 billion, almost a trillion dollars of no strings attached money to give to the big blue states that shut completely down and have major losses. 
And this is something that a majority of the Congress just does not support. And so we've been in that stalemate. Uh, This week, we're filing a discharge petition, Dave, which is a a motion where we get a majority of House members. We need 218 members, so we need about 20 or so Democrats to join us to move this Paycheck Protection Bill, where we'll uh, extend the $130 billion that we've already appropriated for Paycheck Protection and make that available to our restaurants, our uh, small hotels, our small businesses. Well, last night, uh, you know, Pelosi finally relented and allowed uh, uh, the budget to continue through uh, December on a continuing resolution. What is her heartburn with the farmers of America? Again, uh, you know, I can't tell you how she thinks. She spends most of her time, I guess, on her appearance with one of the her wardrobe and her ice cream and her haircuts. But for some reason, she turned her back on uh, the commodity um, money, the line of credit for our commodities that benefit our farmers, and refused to uh, extend the uh, continuing resolution to include farm aid. And uh, she got so much pushback from who? Democrats in the House who have farmers in their districts. I mean, she's just so out of touch, it's pathetic. So she relented last night, and we've now funded government at the 2020 levels with no uh, poison pills. We've extended funding uh, after the election to December the 11th. Yeah, it's just crazy what, what she, how she's running the business of, of the House. Uh, you know, I've read articles that there's still a possibility that Republicans could win the House back. How do you feel about that come November? Well, the uh, the ballot is moving uh, in our favor. Of course, it changes every week, but I've been very encouraged to see uh, the way President Trump's numbers have improved. And I've heard from my colleagues that a lot of local uh, ballot races are improving. <clears throat> we basically need 17 people, Dave, and we will have a Republican House to go along with the Republican Senate. And maybe we can really make progress on some of these Uh, challenges. I've been so disappointed in Speaker Pelosi's leadership of this Congress. She really has nothing to show for it. And on the major bills, they fall into two categories, just big, progressive, far left messaging bills that are not going to pass the Senate, not going to be signed into law. Uh, and, And she has a lot of those Green New Deal being one of the more famous ones. Uh, having the federal government take over the whole election process, have the federal taxpayers pay for each House member's campaign. Anyway, just a bunch of bills that were going nowhere or uh, bills that were important to the country, like border security, the National Defense Authorization Act, the annual spending bills, where she's gotten rolled every time because House Republicans have teamed up with the Senate to pass common sense legislation that does not have all of her bad proposals in it. So she really has had a a thin, thin legislative record for this Congress. All right, let's take a break. I'll come back. I want to talk to you about the Supreme Court. I know you're in the House and the Senate is where all the the business is going on and this new moniker now that they're calling Mitch McConnell. Have you heard about this? He's now being called the Alpha Predator. Well, uh... (laughs) (laughs) We've got to talk about that as well. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM 
the answer, don't forget that we're talking with Congressman French Hill from uh, District 2. We'll continue and finish up our conversation in a moment. Don't forget about uh, our good folks at PI Roofing. Yeah, you know if you got a, a leak or not. It's been raining all night long. It's supposed to rain most of today. Get over an inch of rain. If you're seeing discoloration on your uh, ceiling of a room or on a, a wall as you walk down the hallway, maybe some of the uh, uh, wallpaper is puckering because of dampness, you need to get PI Roofing out to look at it and uh, take care of it. They are your roof leak protectors. Uh, and detectives and they can do this stuff even when it's raining i mean they'll get up on your roof and they'll stop the water getting into your house which stops the damage that the water is doing to inside your home because remember your roof is your final your final place of uh, protection from the uh, elements it, it does it's a defense that keeps the wind and the rain out of your home PI Roofing, give them a call. Use the same number I do, 707-3551, 707-3551, or reach them online, piroofing.com. By the way, we mentioned uh, in those ads about Dinesh D'Souza's uh, uh, new movie, The Election of 1860. All right, so off the top of your head, Hannah, or Hannah. Heidi, election of 1860. What? Who? Who was famously elected in 1860? Abraham Lincoln. That's correct. If I had an applause button, I'd play it for you right now. Con- <laughs> congratulations! That's why it's that type of election coming up here uh, in just a, a few days. Our guest is a congressman from District Two. And that, of course, is uh, French Hill. He's with us until the bottom of the hour. we got a couple of moments here. Of course, he's in the House. He's not in the Senate. But still, he can have all of the... I'm sure that if I asked the congressman what he thinks of the alpha predator in the in the Senate, Mitch McConnell. That, that that name just blows my mind. I mean, they've called him Cocaine Mitch. They've called him everything. Now they call him the Alpha Predator, saying, don't ever under, uh, underestimate Mitch McConnell. He knows how to play the game of politics well. And he's done the whole thing about the judges very, very well, Congressman. Uh, are you proud of our Senate? Mitch McConnell will go down in history. He's now found his place uh, in history because of his careful stewardship of the judicial nominations of this president. He will have confirmed more judges uh, in a one-term presidency than uh, any other time. And uh, with his work in November, he's very likely to have confirmed three Supreme Court justices in a single four-year term. And you cannot take that accomplishment away. That's remarkable. Yeah, he's done a fantastic job. Uh, This president is going to, uh, and back in 2016, remember when he was running for his first term, this was one of the big issues, the Supreme Court, that he would get one, two, and perhaps three picks for the Supreme Court. It's come down now that he's going to get three, and I predict that if reelected, 
Uh, he'll replace Breyer on the Supreme Court, and even maybe uh, Justice Thomas. That might come up as as well. So having who you have in the presidency and who is in control of the Senate, vote, uh, you know, elections have consequences. Let's see, there was a famous uh, politician by the name of Obama who said that. Yeah, I think what listeners need to know is, uh, you know, there's always hypocrisy on senators talking about uh, confirmation process and blah, blah, blah. But let me tell you something that there's not any hypocrisy about, which is when the Senate and the president are of the same party, let me repeat, when the U.S. Senate and the presidency are held by the same political party, there is no instance where... Uh, a nomination wouldn't be made and attempted to be confirmed. That's that correct. That is politics. And that is, as you say, elections have consequences. So there's no real hypocrisy about that for either party. I would think both parties would absolutely take that exact approach. And that's the approach that uh, Mitch McConnell is doing here. President Trump has the constitutional obligation and right to name a nominee that's qualified, and the Senate will hold hearings and do background uh, and advise and consent on that nomination. And it can be done, uh, quite frankly, uh, in a most straightforward way uh, between now and the election. My wife, Martha, her inspiration as a young lawyer, she's a 1984 graduate as a female lawyer, SMU Law School, uh, in a very male-dominated world. I think maybe maybe 20% of the class were females then. Her inspiration was Sandra Day O'Connor, the first female Supreme Court justice. She was confirmed in 33 days. Justice Ginsburg, 42 days. John Paul Stevens, 19 days. So uh, we have time uh, for a qualified candidate that has a, uh, a good track record. And President Trump, as you said, David, we ought to reiterate this. Right. I don't think there's a single thing... I got Con- Congressman, I got to move on. Yep. Rush Limbaugh is ready to speak, and I got to get Do out it. of the way. See you soon. All right, joining us uh, is uh, from our law professor, Robert Steinbach. He's with us now. Robert, good to have you here. You sent me a good story. To be here, brother. I, I, you sent me a story that I have literally read <clears throat> twice. Because I was incredulous. In fact, I mentioned it to Indeed. Heidi. I mentioned it to Heidi because it's so ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous. This is a professor out at USC who who teaches Mandarin, and uh, he was talking that people who uh, speak in English use um and er during uh, the course of speaking. And in Mandarin, evidently, there is a word uh, that is used uh, that is pronounced naiga uh, uh, by uh, them. And it means, it's like saying that is what it is. And during one one of his classes, towards the end, he made mention of this. And... He used the word Niga a couple of times. And some black students within his class complained to the dean of his department saying that that Mandarin word sounded awful close to our N-word, and so he shouldn't be using it. And the uh, dean 
threw him under the bus and replaced him as the instructor. Now they got the USC teachers that are there, the profs, are going, wow, what can and can't we say uh, that won't or will get us into trouble? And that's really well understood, but that's what the cancel culture does now. Right, it's such a level of perversity, isn't it, Dave? The, the notion here, this guy, I think he's teaching the business-related class, and he's talking about the linguistics that apply across cultures. And he says, you know, in English, we often say, um, 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 or that, 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 that as a pause, as a placeholder, instead of just pausing, leaving a little gap. And it's not the best way to speak. And he's teaching that notion. You don't have to fill every moment of air. And he said, look, this is not an American phenomenon, nor is it an English phenomenon in terms of the language. It happens in every culture, every language. And he goes through a variety, including in Chinese, as you say, the word for that, which has some resemblance. It's not identical in any way to the N-word, but some resemblance to it. But of course, he entirely contextualizes it. So it's not like he just throws it out in the beginning of class and people don't know what he's doing. And then he says, Oh, here's what I'm doing. It's entirely contextualized. And yet nonetheless, there is this vocal opposition. And worst of all is the Dean of this school. So many of these petty potentates across this country are more interested in getting high administrative salaries than actually doing their job. So instead of saying, to the public, to the students, etc., the, the dean saying, that is, well, we're sorry that people misunderstood right. what this teacher was saying, <laughs> and so uh, if they were offended, we don't want anybody to be hurt, but they were offended by their misunderstanding. He says, oh, oh this is a, this is a, uh, so sorry that this occurred. Well, and goes on. You read it, I think, already on the air, and it's in the article, what he says. Basically, indicting the professor. Now, they didn't fire him. They didn't suspend him from teaching. I think he uh, volunteered, quote-unquote. I put that in, right? He volunteered to stop (laughs) teaching this class. Under duress is what I think. I think that's right. I think that's right. And what a good dean would have done is say, no, you go on and continue your class, and I'll go and speak to the community, and you can speak to the community, and we'll straighten up, straighten out this confusion. But that's not how the leftists operate. And that's, and you see this across this country, Dave. It's a travesty. Yeah, well, this is not the first time that people misunderstood something and they they yanked it for instance let's go back to the uh early 60s and uh you know the that song the song uh you know what was it uh the, the song that they did about uh woody woody yeah yeah baby how you gotta go you know and people would sing that song and nobody knew what the heck they were saying and mm-hmm. so what they had to be cussing. They had to be uh, doing uh, sexual uh, comments, which is not true at all. And radio stations all across America pulled uh, that song, Louie Louie. That's what it was. Pulled That's that hilarious. song. And, uh, and tragically hilarious. By yeah, the way. but 
they pulled they pulled the song that that because they thought they were saying naughty things and they weren't they think this guy is saying uh you know some kind of racial epithet and he's not he's speaking mandarin for god's sake i got did i tell you this recently i was out in the grass in my backyard and i got bitten by these little bugs i'm not going to say the name of it i am not falling you know the the bugs that starts with the ch sound and it rhymes with the n-word i'm not saying it Dave. oh i'll say chigger it was a chigger you got bit by and by the way, we don't have those up in the Northeast where I grew up. So when's the last time I'm running around in the grass? It's when I'm a kid, so I'm not familiar with this. When I called a friend of mine, I said, yeah, I got these little bites. They're not mosquito bites. He knew exactly what it was. He told me what it was. And I asked him, hey, does that word relate somehow to the N-word because it rhymes with it? Uh-huh. And he knows about these things. He knows about linguistics. He goes, absolutely not. Nope, no relationship whatsoever. I ain't saying it. Maybe I'm a coward, Dave, but I ain't saying it, not because I'm concerned about the woke culture, because I'm concerned that someone in my school, now, I'm not attributing this to them because they haven't done it to me, right? But if this happened to this guy at USC, I'm not taking a chance. That's on me, by the way. I'm not blaming anybody in the school at the moment, right? But that's the general woke culture in academia across this country, and I just ain't taking that chance. Well, let me tell you what, I can understand these USC professors that are just baffled by this, and they're looking at it, and the guy, uh, you know, you, you know, of his own volition, air quotes around that, uh, steps down because he didn't do anything wrong. That's right. Well, I will tell you this about uh, here in Little Rock at my school. There has been apparently some discussion that we should teach in certain of our classes cultural competency. Now, first of all, okay. I'm at a law school, right? I, I mentioned some cultural competency in class the same way I did the other day on the air when I was guest hosting your show. Uh-huh. I mentioned that last week was the Jewish New Year and a lot of folks here don't know anybody who's Jewish, so I mentioned that. And next Monday, for example, is a Day of Atonement, and Jews fast on that day. So it's interesting to know, I think, and it's interesting to share. And, of course, sure. Christians sh- share a common background. Is that, the, is that the kind of cultural competence that they're going to require me to teach? Should they impose such a rule? No, I'm but not it, sure. But, Can but, I teach cultural competence about conservative ideas? Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't but mean what, what to, what I ha- what's going to happen is that... Uh, if you get put up uh, on the short list of uh, being a Supreme Court justice, uh, Robert, uh, they'll be challenging you on your religious beliefs. Well, that's a very good point, right? We saw that already with, with uh, Amy uh, Barrett, uh, that she they're questioning how she's going to use her Catholic beliefs in terms of being a judge. And you and I talked briefly about this yesterday when a colleague of a, previous, a former colleague of mine had stated that he doesn't support affirmative action. And the then dean said, well, that would make me think uh, I'd have to consider whether to appoint him to the admissions committee. Well, wait, he didn't say he wasn't going to apply the school's affirmative action program. He said he personally was against it. That's a different thing. Right. So they're screening people based on their religious beliefs in one instance. My colleagues Uh, conservative beliefs in another instance, of course, religious and conservative beliefs dramatically overlap. And that's how you keep the conservatives out of power if you're a leftist. 
Yeah, you're you're exactly right. Let me play a small snippet from a speech that Amy gave at Hillsdale College, which is one of the great colleges for free speech and for open markets and things of that nature. And she was talking about John Adams. Now, John Adams uh, was an attorney, of course, was president of the United States. But when he was an attorney, one of the most famous cases that he was involved in is that he was the defense lawyer uh, for the British soldiers that fired on uh, the colonists at the what we know as the Boston Massacre. And uh, and he got uh, got them uh, off from having the death penalty and stuff uh, because he said they just did what any normal person would do. And she used this as a illustration of how a judge should be. And here's what Barrett said. All right. We were going to hear from Amy uh, uh, Coney Barrett, but. We went to a break because we need to get the traffic to you because there were some traffic problems we wanted to give to you. But Amy uh, Barrett was giving a speech at Hillsdale College, and she was talking about John Adams. As I was telling you, John Adams was a defense lawyer for the uh, British soldiers and commander during the Boston Massacre, which you should have read about when you did American history, if you did do American history when you were in school and uh, he got he got them off of the death penalty uh, they were going to hang them all well it didn't happen that way but uh, barrett used this uh, particular illustration to talk about being a judge john adams put aside personal preferences he stood up to public pressure and he did his duty And moreover, he did it to the best of his ability. He didn't do his grudging, minimal best. He did his absolute best, and the captain was acquitted, and most of the soldiers were, and those who were not escaped the death penalty. Now, John Adams did these things as a lawyer, but adhering to duty in the face of a contrary personal or political preference and in the face of public pressure to the contrary has particular resonance for the job of a judge. A judge is obligated to apply the law as it is and not as she wishes it would be. She is obliged to follow the law even when her personal preferences cut the other way or when she will experience great public criticism for doing so. All right. That was Barrett speaking. Doesn't sound like some radical to me, does she? To you uh, uh, there, uh, Mr. Steinbach? No, well, of course not. She's not a radical. She's a conservative. Yeah. And we need conservatives on the bench. Dave, you know better than I, well, I know better than I, but better than most, that I will criticize conservatives when it's proper to criticize conservatives. Historically, conservatives have not done a great job of ensuring that criminal defendants have all of the civil procedure rights that they're entitled to, Mm -hmm. even though the overwhelming number of them are in fact guilty. But we can't know that ahead of time. Scalia changed the law, the interpretation of the law, when it came to the introduction of hearsay uh, at a trial against a criminal defendant in a way that benefits criminal defendants. Now, he didn't do it to benefit criminal defendants or to harm criminal defendants. He did it 
because he read the Constitution and he said the Constitution requires that and we have not been doing what the Constitution requires. That's what a good judge does. In other words, he's a conservative. He was no doubt a law and order type. So he wasn't looking to particularly expand the processes that protect criminal defendants out of his own political agenda. But he recognized that's what the Constitution requires. He was right. And he did so. That's what a judge does. The judge reads the text that he's interpreting and decides what that text says, not based on his political philosophy, but based on his best effort to get to the true meaning of those words. You know, it, it's really great. By the way, Robert is a law professor over at the Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily those of the School of Law or the university. Uh, when you look at Barrett and they uh, attack her religion and they're ta- attacking her Roman Catholicism, Diane Feinstein says, you know, basically your your Catholicism runs runs deep in this one, doing her Yoda best uh, impersonation. And, uh, of course, the uh, senator from uh, Illinois said, are you an Orthodox Catholic? Cutting, an, uh, you know, saying, are you a a pro-life Catholic is basically what he was saying. Isn't it, the hypocrisy of it is amazing. This is the party that had to defend John F. Kennedy when he ran for president in 1960 because he was Roman Catholic against these exact same spurious statements. Well, it's really terrible. And let me offer this particular additional comment. Uh, as you know, um, Diane Feinstein, like me, is Jewish, and she, therefore, I believe, should be a little bit more attuned to attacking people based on their religion, based, of course, on the history of Jews uh, being persecuted. In fact, there has often been this improper trope that, well, you Jews have a loyalty to Israel. No, they don't. Jews, like many Americans, including uh, uh, the great evangelical Christians have a commitment to the only democracy in the Middle East because they think that's good for the world. That's right. That's what they do. So there's no dual loyalty. But that false trope has been spread for a long time. So, frankly, I think someone like Dianne Feinstein, who is Jewish, should be a little bit more attuned to that than perhaps somebody else. Yeah, bottom line is, during the time Kennedy was running... One of the the, the big uh, shots at him was he would answer to the Pope and not to the American people. Same idea, isn't it? Yeah. Same idea. It's this dual loyalty claim. And these are such nonsensical claims, right? When was the last time the, the Pope had an army and there was a loyalty to him in the way there is a loyalty to a nation and, and the laws of that nation? Sheer nonsense. Yeah, it really, really is. Well, sir, I'll talk to you on Friday at our normal time at 7 o'clock. I appreciate you giving me a half hour to speak a little bit about uh, this whole thing at USC and then, of course, speaking about uh, Amy uh, Coney Barrett. By the way, the president says he will name whom he's going to put up, who he's going to nominate for the Supreme Court at 4 p.m. our time here 
uh, in Arkansas. So you'll be wanting to watch, uh, you know, Fox or whomever and find out who it's going to be. Robert, have a good day. I will talk to you in a while down the road. That's uh, the last of my live show today. I'll be back with you at 6 o'clock tonight. Joe and Duck will be with me. The car doctors will be here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Stay tuned. More is coming your way right here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. of the uh, Dave Ellswick show up and running and going and Joe is here and Duck is here and we're going to talk cars with them. Uh, I was talking to uh, to Duck uh, before we got the show going underway and you've been up to Bull Shoals again. That's like your third time this year. Yeah, we had a pretty good time. We went played in the water and went trout fishing. Did you catch some? Mm, caught about 30 okay did you get some of them cleaned and eat them yeah we uh the guy we kept uh six i think it was good you're supposed to eat fish man we had two for supper that night yeah i'm tired of hearing people well i cash and and release well i do too but in hot grease we threw a whole bunch back (laughs) she caught one that was 23 inches long rainbow oh wow yeah it it was uh, that's a meal in and of itself she actually out caught me this time well, that's cool. And I heard about it, too. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you did. I'm I heard sure about you did. the whole time we was in the boat. I've caught more than you have. <laughs> I said, yeah, but you got somebody helping you. I have to do it by myself. Yeah, so did you Did you uh, uh, cook the trout, or did she cook the trout, or did no, somebody else she don't cook them do right like that. No, I took and put them in aluminum foil, put them on a bed of butter. Yeah. And uh, put some seasoning in it, a little this and a little that that I keep in a camper. Put some Worcestershire sauce in it stuffed it with some lemons top coated the top of it with the seasoning again and put a little more wish sour in it rolled it up in aluminum foil you cook it five minutes on each side on the grill mm-hmm. cook it five minutes and and you cook it five minutes you can just take peel the skin off of it yeah it's good and uh it was good white flaky meat and we had one we cooked the big one that she she wanted to keep it so we cooked it on tuesday night then we had the other one on wednesday night uh, there's nothing like a trout. But that was good. I mean, you know, tr- people look at me. You know, I don't look like trout. And I go, why? You taste like fish. Well, and I, and I just kind of look at him and go, well, it's this, a fish. Yeah. This guy that <laughs> took us fishing, he showed me how to cook them to where you just flake the meat off the off the, you know the bones that's in there. Yeah. And you don't get no bones with it. Oh, okay. So, I never have any problem because if you cook it right, typically yeah, the meat you grab just, you grab it by the backbone and you can just pull, pull it straight the, up out of there. Yeah, pull the skeleton right out. And it was good. We had, you know we had that and um had some other stuff go along with it. So it was good. We had a good time. Two potatoes with it. We had. Uh, she actually we had red potatoes, sweet potatoes, 
That's what I'm saying. Carrots and broccoli. I put it in aluminum foil and put it on the grill and cooked it. That just sounds like a perfect grilled meal to me. Sure. I like it. I got the little cage that you put them in, and then you fold it over, and it holds them flat, and then you put it on your grill and cook them there. Yeah, the campground was full. Fish fish on a grill is great. I'll tell you something else that's good on, on... on the grill besides trout salmon yes i cook her salmon all the time on the grill have some salmon it's good stuff it's really really good this is fun because we're sitting in the studio right now duck is sitting uh to my right this is going back to the days i used to call football on the radio he's on my right side and so if you kind of look at the right side of your dial that's where he's sitting and sitting on my left side is joe Good to see you again, sir. Yeah, it's great to be back in the studio. Dave. It's fun being back here. It sounds a lot better. It really does instead of just having being on the phone. Phone yeah. sounds like the phone. Yeah, it's a little delay on it too. So yeah, drives you crazy. They had Elizabeth had a little problem with that on Monday uh, on Tuesday when we were on, and uh, it was causing her problems. She was talking over us a little mm-hmm. bit, and uh, she she would wait she'd learn that she had to wait a couple of seconds before she'd start answering yeah and then we got it all fi- figured out mm-hmm. yeah she it just, took me and you and joe a day or two to get it figured out yeah too. to get it right to get it right to, and the, here's the good thing i can look at the person who i'm addressing the question to so they know that they're going to be the first person that answers yes and there's not a pregnant pause while we I wait for one of them to start sure. saying something, and then it never fails. They'll start talking at the same, same time. time. <laughs> it's always yeah. fun. That's always fun. All right, well, let me throw a, a question out to you. Christian has a 2004 Nissan Murano SE six-cylinder, three-and-a-half-liter engine. It says, I bought a transfer case for my Nissan Murano and the one they sent me has an XU-T uh, pound 2, and the one I took out has an XU-T pound 1. They look the same, but is there a difference, and would it work in my car? So he evidently hasn't tried to put it in yet. So with that in mind, what do you all think? Let's start with you, Duck, first. Well, the difference between the 1 and a 2 is the gear ratio and that's that's all the different is they're both the same outside the inside's different uh it would probably Which makes work. a difference well, it, would, it would probably work wouldn't you think so joe just by the gear ratio being different depending on how much different it is but i don't i don't remember how much between the one and the two it is difference but that's where the difference is is the gear ratio yeah, he needs to research that. This must be a used one he bought. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm I'm saying so too. And, and and whoever he bought that from, they probably have a, a, a interchange book they can go to or, or a website they can check that on. And that's what I'd recommend him to do. Uh, you know, the difference in in the two transfer cases is probably minimal, but it could be an issue if it is too much of a gear ratio change. Yeah. It's a transfer case. So when it goes into all-wheel drive or something like that, he could have an issue with it. Yeah, it could, could have a bad issue with it. And that's what yeah. I'm saying. But I think the only difference is is the ratio. The one is a smaller, is a lower ratio than two. Okay. And that's where he may run into a problem at. All right. So before you install it, yes. check with the person you bought it from. Yeah. If you bought it from LKQ or 
Sonny's or somebody like that, they can tell you if it, if it will make any difference on your ratio. All right. It's, it's important to know this. They may look the same, but may not be yep. the same when you exactly. get inside. I've been waiting seven weeks on a transfer case for a 2017 uh, Chevrolet four-wheel drive one ton. Because they don't make them anymore, so you got to buy it. you got to go somewhere and do a on U-pull back, thing? No, well, he wanted a new one. Oh, and they've wow. been on factory back order. Because when you go to the one ton, they're just a little bit different than a three-quarter ton. Okay. All right. Well, if you can wait that long to get your vehicle, but how many weeks has it been? Seven. Come in yesterday. Seven weeks. Oh, it finally got there. They delivered it yesterday. So how long will it take to put in? Two, three hours. <laughs> have to wait seven hours to get two or three hours of work done. Yep. It's but crazy. That's, uh, that's parts it is right now. Well, yeah, it is parts today. It's yes. not, especially if you want a new part. Sometimes it don't matter you want new or not. You ain't going to get it. Well, his mm-hmm. transfer case, whoever had been servicing it didn't check the oil on the transfer case and it exploded going down the road. He has no core to turn in. So that's why he wanted to buy a new one. Okay. So he don't have to pay the $1,500 core charge. Ooh. Ooh. That's expensive. Yeah. It, it exploded. The drive, the front drive shaft come up to the floorboard. <laughs> that didn't get your attention. It come all the way through it, but it's got a real bad pump knot. they got to beat the floorboard back down. That and will what, get your attention. And what kind of vehicle is this again, Doug? It's a Chevrolet. I think it's a 17, yeah. 16, 17, one-ton Chevrolet. Yeah. Dually. The only one that I've ever seen explode like that is a, a Ford, like an F-250 Super Duty. When that front drive shaft, the CV joint freezes up yep. and it vibrates real bad, it'll break them in half right yep. there. I was driving one once when it did that. We had a Dodge that come off the interstate one time. It actually, the dry shaft was stuck up in the floorboard, mm-hmm. and that's what Jeez. happened. That This one don't have a, a constant joint in the front of it. Hmm. It's a straight joint because it's a, it's a one-ton, and that's that's where the difference is on the three-quarter ton. It has the joint. Yeah, the yoke's different on yeah, it. Yeah, and the, the one-ton is different. Hmm. So question for you, Joe. When it made yep. that big noise when it broke, mm-hmm. were you glad you were wearing brown pants? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Dave, I was on the freeway, and I was road testing this vehicle, yeah. and I was running about 75 miles an oh hour. Oh, my. And it went, vibrated real hard, and I let off the gas, and then it went clunk, and stuff started flying out the back of it. That's what he, he stopped and picked the pieces up. They're laying kidding. on the bed of it. Yeah. Wow. I got pulled over and, and against the wall on the freeway, crawled in there oh, and looked Oh, you were at in it. the fast lane. No, I was Don't in the slow lane. Don't ask anybody else to I was help in the you. slow lane. But you know where I was at, Dave? Where? Just starting a gauntlet going towards Cabot. Oh, no, when they were working on it. So I backed it back down to the new on-ramp at, at, at Jacksonville there. Yeah. And that's where I left it sitting at. I, I got it about 15, 20 foot back down the ramp. Blew sure. up right there at that on-ramp. Somebody come get me. So you that's got, exactly right. You got I called the, tow truck, and I sat there and waited. You them. got on the front of the of the truck and pushed it, huh? No, I backed it up. Oh, it was actually back up? Clump-de-clump-de-clump-de-clump-de-clump. <laughs> yeah. But it does it. I mean, people going by were going, what's wrong with that truck? Hey, <laughs> hey the two people behind me, they went and made a, 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 
a left and a right to get away from the debris. The Red Sea parked behind you, didn't it? <laughs> well, we had grease and gears and stuff flying everywhere. Aluminum case coming out <laughs> yeah. from under it. Wow. Yeah. wow. Well, this that one here, you can for see you, where for other people. It, it just burned up. It didn't have no grease in it. Yeah. And it had had no grease in it in a while. That's a typical thing I see. A lot of a lot of quick yep. lubes now. If you pull in there, they, they don't check, check those fluid well, levels. Most of them don't know to check it. They, that, and they got skid plates under there you got to take off, and yep. and they won't check them. And, and you'll think, you know, if you look up there and, and it looks a little oily, the funny ones are, Duck, the ones that you look up there that don't have no grease in them, but they're not oily. Yeah. That means they've been running around a long time or low. Yep. Because the water's had opportunity to wash the grease where it leaked out. Yeah, the dirt and the grime got not up there and washed good. it clean. No. But, and you know, and he, he's, you know, he, it's a work truck, and he said, just call me when you get it. He said, but this, you know, I, I want a new one. I don't want a reman. So he he ordered a new one through Jasper. Jasper offers a new one now. Mm-hmm. GM can't even get it right now. All right, so let me pursue this whole question about taking this plate off so they can check it. And most quick lube places probably not doing it. No. Another example of why going to a bumper-to-bumper Correct. certified service center is a good idea. Because you guys do it yep. out of a matter of uh, you do it because it's supposed to be done. It's part of the service. I mean, You have a four-wheel drive, and we do an oil change on an oil service. You get all your fluid levels checked. We're not talking about underneath the hood. We're talking about front differential, transfer case, rear differential, everything. Yep, and if it does have grease fitting, we need to make sure they get greased. That's correct. And if any one of them's low, we're looking at where'd it go. Why is it low? Yeah. So you got axle seal leaking, pinion seal leaking, or uh, output shaft seal, or whatever. You know, it or needs you, to be addressed. Or you look down in there and it's white milky. Yeah, it's been in the water. Yes, yeah, done been too deep in water. Mm-hmm. All right, keep that in mind. Just some uh, words of wisdom here on the Dave Ellswick Show with uh, Joe and Duck, who are here from bumper to bumper certified service centers giving you information about your cars we got to get a break in let's do that we'll come back and we'll talk about a 1997 toyota 4runner sr5 six cylinder 3.4 liter engine that's next here on the dave ellswick show segment of the dave ellswick show this is wednesday that means that Joe of Joe's Garage and Duck of Duck's Garage are here with us. Joe's Garage over on Crystal Hill Road in North Little Rock. Uh, Duck is down on Air Lane Drive in Benton. Uh, You'll find him down by the new Boys and Girls Club by the old airport. Uh, You can't miss either of these locations. They are big, big, uh, uh, you know, mechanical places. They got lots of cars around them. Uh, with uh, uh, Joe, you got two American big American flags yep. in the front, and on on ducks, you got a big sign that says "Ducks Garage." You can't uh, m- miss it as uh, can't miss all the vehicles right at the moment. Yeah, you guys are working. That's good. Yep. You're working good. But I need to say something, Dave. I do need a truck mechanic. Okay, I need to add one. So if anybody's out there needing a truck mechanic job. Come on down and see Russell or see me or whatever, and we'll get they you started. They pay well. Yep. They pay well, but they expect you to work. Yep. I don't, you know, I don't, you're not going to do nothing that me or Russell can't do, so. Or that you don't do. Yep, but we got plenty to do. I got to call Russell today because I want to put my fog lights in, and I want him, he's going to put some LEDs Yeah, there's something on. laying there on his desk for you because oh, I good. seen it yesterday. He's going to do the LED on my grill. 
Yeah, there's cool. I'm, just, I'm just warning you now. <laughs> <laughs> At night when I'm going on the fox and I'm heading home and it's dark out there, you come over one of those hills, you know, your brights are blazing. I'm going to turn the sun up on you. I'm just warning you right now. Because I, I want it because it does. It gets dark, dark out on five. Yeah. Joe, you'll be going home and there'll be Dave sitting on the side of the road <laughs> with, <laughs> with the blue lights mm-hmm. behind. He done blinded the cops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they blinded me this morning. I was coming to work at 4.30, and I uh, came on to uh, I-40 from 67, mm-hmm. and there was an 18-wheeler that had tied it up evidently with the car and they were working on the 18 wheeler getting it out of the the right lane and they had three state police cars sitting there and they had those freaking white lights shining behind them yeah yeah it Dude, kills me stop that mm-hmm. you blind people for that you don't want to be blind they real people. bright blue lights that they turn they don't flash they just turn them on yeah them things they they, they blind me i understand you want me to pay attention but I'm not going to miss you if you got the got the flashers going. All right, yep. you don't have to blind me with that. Texas is notorious for that. If they pull you over, they turn the lights into your car, and then they got the exact same lights that shine behind. And if you're a person driving behind, you can't see. You're driving blind at that moment. By the way, speaking of something else that I noticed, have you guys noticed that finally? The Arkansas Department of Transportation has begun putting up the 75-mile-per-hour speed limit signs on I-40. Yep. Coming from – I couldn't believe it. It Coming out of Memphis, it said 75. And I said, well, Mm -hmm. I go that anyway. (laughs) I go by that. Now you run 85, Dave. 84. That's it, 84. I go by that. Does that count? Yeah, when you go buy that seventy five, do they do they have them? I I heard somebody got said them they, now. They, oh, they got them on in I-30 places. Now? Yeah. Oh, that's good. I'm glad to hear. It only took them two years to do it. You know, they had to do a quote study about where they were going to put up dudes. It's an interstate. Thank mm. you very much. I'll be. Quiet but explain now. this to me. Why sixty seven still sixty five? Well, that's a good question as well, because they'll say. You know, it goes through residential areas. That's that's usually their answer. Well, I go through Clarksville, and I'm going to tell you what, that's about as residential as you can get on an interstate. Russellville, too. And I fly through there. I didn't use that because I didn't want people to think I'm talking about your son's town. Yeah. Got to be careful about that. Kind of like Peytonville. <laughs> you know, Russellville. You got to be careful about that. All right. So anyway, I, got, I told everybody we talk about this Toyota. Let's get it in here. 1997 Toyota 4Runner, SR5, six-cylinder, 3.4 liter. The plastic top on my radiator cracked the other day, and when we removed it, what appeared to be either oil or transmission fluid was mixed in. I said, training fluid, experienced helper said oil. When I looked up parts, it came across the transmission oil cooler, which is just in front of the radiator. Now, I'm not very experienced, but I've done minor repairs for years but never heard of transmission oil or its cooler. So three questions. Is the transmission oil the same as fluid? Could it mix with the coolant, or do I have a bigger problem? He has a bigger problem. (laughs) All right. He's got a head gasket issue. Most likely. The radiator cracked for a reason. 
It got overheated. Well, so, not well. Perhaps. The radiator probably cracked, and that's when it overheated. Because yeah, them, them radiators are notorious by cracking. That age right there, the plastic tanks on them are brittle. They'll crack, and they lose coolant, and they lose coolant. It overheats. It overheats. It damages the head gasket. Then you got oil passages that come from the bottom of the block up through the cylinder head to lubricate the camshafts and everything. And and they're real close to the head gasket between the water port and the oil galley, and it's blown right there. And your oil pressure is greater than your water pressure, so it pushes the oil over into the water port. Exactly. And then it gets in the radiator. Well, the guy never even knew that he had transmission oil or a cooler. Yeah. That's kind of scary. Well, yeah. it most likely he's the radiator cracked and caused the head gasket mm-hmm. to blow. Now you got to repair the head gasket and put a radiator in it. Yeah. You know, and the, cause and effect. And he probably had been the radiator had been cracked for a while and it's been seeping a little bit. Then all at once it blowed all the way out, and mm-hmm. that's when it got hot. Yeah, I got to talk about one of my uh, advertisers, of course, Sonny. Mm-hmm. And uh, when Sonny's, you know, they put in my my transmission uh, in my car. And he put in a bigger transmission cooler, yeah, so that it, it wouldn't overheat if I decided to 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 uh, tow something tow something around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just good it business. Pro- it prolongs the life of the transmission. If the cooler you can keep the fluid, the longer the transmission will live, because heat breaks fluid down and causes it to get thinner. So, and of course, you know, just like motor oil, you can start an engine cold and it'll have 60 pound oil pressure. When it warms up, it's got 20. Yeah, 18 that's, to 20 pounds. That's the difference in the viscosity of the fluid. And, and transmission oil fluid does the same thing. Now, you know, transmissions tr- typically run hotter than that because you actually take the coolant in the radiator, which is 200 degrees, to cool the fluid off to put it back in the transmission. Now, I got news for you. No, I don't have news for you. I've got news that we're going to play for you right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's continue on the Dave Ellswick Show. Good to have you with us. Joe and Duck are here. Uh, Joe from Joe's Garage, Duck from jo- uh, Duck's Garage. We're talking cars. Remember, if you've got a question, you can send it to me at Dave at SalemLR, S-A-L-E-M-L-R.com, and we'll get to it next week. Wednesday. Just send it to me and uh, I'll uh, read it to these guys on the air. Taylor has a 2002 Mazda Miata. Love me some Miatas. Nice little car. It's an SE four cylinder, 1.8 liter. I've broken four alternator belts now in the past month. With the third belt, I had the alternator and belt replaced by a mechanic. It held up for two or three weeks. Today, the belt snapped again and cracked my radiator. Uh, the other PS and AC belt also came loose. The radiator cracking may have caused the belts to slip off, but I think the belts came off first. What would be the cause of these issues? I got an idea. Okay. Need to probably look at the balancer. I think the balancer's slipping out on it, and they're getting yeah. out of line. They're getting out of line. Yeah, yeah, the rubber's coming out of the middle of it. Yeah, it's where I'd be looking. And and if you look down there, you know, a a belt will run and and do a good job and last a long time as long as it's all the pulley grooves are lined up. 
But yeah. when they're running off to one side or the other, it'll eat the belt up on one side. And a lot of times, if it gets one of them first, when that one comes off, it gets intertwined. It kicks the rest of them off. So the bottom line is that uh, you open up your hood and you look down at the motor, find yourself a belt, well, and look at it. No, the bottom line is you explain to somebody, this is the fourth time I've put belts on it. <laughs> yeah. So... There's a reason for that. We go looking. We just don't go throw another belt on it knowing that it ain't going to work. So we go looking and find a problem, and you cure the problem. But most likely, like Joe said, it's got a harmonic balancer. The rubber's coming out of it. Select the pulley. If it was a V-belt, Dave, it would run forever out of line a little bit. Yep. But these new serpentine belts, they will not. And and the thing about it is, Duck, also, all the other pulleys are fixed pulleys. Fixed pulleys. You know, and, and what 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 I'm saying by fixed is there's no shift in in forward or backwards no. on them, and because the, the way the adjustments are set up on them, the only thing that could actually be moving out and cause an issue, in my opinion, that would be hard to see, is, is that balance. Yeah, and, and you it, may have to pull the cover off from underneath it and yeah. get it up on the jack yeah. to look at it to fight, to catch it in. That's I've, have you got the new deal the little laser pointer that you can yeah, set on there and it'll shine down through there and look at all the gears. Yep. I mean all the pulleys. Yep. It's a neat little old deal. And what it, does it do? Tell you if it, they're running correctly. Correct. If they're running straight. You know, most of the time you can look at a belt and say, "Well, I got the old belt right here, and the side of it'll be frayed on one side." Yep. You know that that it's not running true. Yeah. It's, it's running off yeah. a little bit, and and like I say, these little these uh, multi groove serpentine belts, they will not stay on. They get just the least little bit out of line. They get a, a quarter of an inch out of line, they'll run off. Oh, absolutely. They're going to walk I mean, away from and it and chew itself up. I got and when they walk off the mm-hmm. the grooves and. Your SOL on the side of the road. And it's usually, Dave, it tears up a whole lot more. Just like this one. You know, it's throwed up and busted the radiator and stuff like that because it gets a flopping and, you know, it just don't take much to bust the plastic Start radiator. Now. beating the plastic exactly. inside the engine. Mm-hmm. I've seen it tear the warning harnesses off of them. Yep. Seen it tear the power steering lines off of them. You know, you never know what it's going to tear up until you get there. Until it starts tearing it up. And I have seen it. And, Joe, you have too walk the when it does that and it throws the ac belt off of it and it cuts the wires it goes into the electric clutch yeah to break the plug in off there and then you're gonna have to buy a compressor yeah and, not and good fourth time you know third time the fourth time it, i don't know if he told the guy the technician working on it, look this is a repeated problem yeah so they should have took a little more time and inspected it a little bit better in my opinion yeah you know like i say explain to you know if you have this kind of problem and you've been putting a belt on yourself, and you decide to take it to a shop, don't just go in and say, hey, my car needs a belt and alternator on it. Go in and explain the whole problem to them. Look, I have put this many belts. Here's the kind of belt I put on it. It runs about a week, and it comes off again. Now, if your belt breaks, good thing to do is take it in and show it to the mechanic. If you have show it, him. yeah. If you have the old belt, yeah, show them, because... I can look at it, and Joe can look at it, and Joe's guys, my guys can look at it and say, okay, the belt's wearing on the side, so we know what causes it to break. It's running out of line. It's out of line. Now, where is the pulley at that's out of line? Then you'll, then you'll get down there and look, and like I said, you got a little laser tool that lays up there, and it's got shoots a beam down there, and you can look and see. This one over here is here, there, there, and then, you know you see which one's off. Yeah. and, and Not running true. It's, I mean, it's a great invention that they come up with, and Gates come up with that, and it works great. 
All right. And, and then both, Dave, and of course, Joe and Duck's garages have them. Sure. And then Dave, you got these these newer cars don't have no tensioner on it. Correct. It's called a stretch belt. You got a little tool you put the belt on. You got to walk a, a, a multi groove serpentine belt on with a little tool to get it in all the grooves properly, and it's a stretch belt. No adjustment on it. Stretch it and put it on, and it's there. <laughs> and, and you know the average. Uh, do it yourselfer or destroy it yourselfer. They're not going to have that tool, and they're not going to get it on right without cutting the belt or kinking it or damaging it. Kind of like using a screwdriver when you're putting the belt <laughs> on a chipper. Yeah, basically, yeah, <laughs> that's correct. You try not to remove your fingers while you're doing it, but you kind of work it over onto that smooth surface by. Uh, using a little push yeah you kind of roll help. them stretch yeah. belts on but there, there is a tool for that and it makes it pretty simple it's still a little bit difficult depending on how much room you have down yeah. there sometimes but well it's yeah. always more difficult for the, the guy who or gal who doesn't do it all the time uh, a, sure. a technician that works for you all sees these kind of things on a more consistent basis than i'm going to see it i'm only dealing with one car your technicians are dealing with hundreds of cars. Yes, absolutely. We have a uh, 13 Ford van, got a V10 in it. Yeah. Exhaust manifold busted. Boy. It shrunk, broke off six yeah. boats. Then he broke the other four off, getting it off. Yeah. So got all that done, ordered an exhaust manifold, and it's been sitting there now for a week. Waiting on a part. Waiting on exhaust manifold from Ford. So I went out to Sonny's and... And asked R.D., did he have any? He said, yeah, I should have some. So I'll go out there. All of his is shrunk, too. Yeah. Won't fit back on the hole, you know, so just had to wait. What he means by shrunk, Dave. Let yeah, me that's a good this. question. Go ahead. It bolts on the head from one end to the other, and it's going to have eight bolts that hold it on there. Oh, this one got ten. It's a V10. It's a, then it'll have ten. But the front hole, if you put the bolt in it and you go to put the one in the back hole, It'll be halfway off center. It'll be eighth of an inch, which means the manifold has got so hot and then shrunk from heat, expansion, and contraction that you can't get the back bolt back in it. Yeah, there's four bolts that won't go in the back. Which means you absolutely have to have a new manifold to go on. And it's supposed to be in today, hopefully. Now, they had that problem with some GM manifolds years ago with the the low ones that went down and made the 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 plug one. And they they had what they call a manifold splitter. You put a little tool in there and you tighten it up and it actually spread that manifold out so you get the bolts tightened up. Once you got the bolts tightened up, it took spreader back out. Wow. Yeah, but I still got mine. I, I do too. We don't I use got, them anymore, but I we got them. I actually okay. got two sets of them. Yeah. Because at that time you were using them all the time. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of them was un, under the plug manifolds. And, That's correct. And they would just draw up. I mean, you can unbolt unta- un- and pull the boat out and they'd go. Pfft. Yeah. You can see them, they just draw well, in. Move more, huh? Yeah, and. You just you make sure before you unbolted that you stuck them in there and tighten them up. So, and those manifolds were held on with three eighths bolts. Okay, let's get this cleared up now. That manifold you're talking about, those are five sixteenths bolts or eight millimeter. Eight millimeter. Yeah, same thing. Five yeah. sixteen, eight millimeter. But the bolts are smaller, and it'll actually break the bolts off. That's They'll what pop happened. Off. This yeah. this one had four bolts broke off in yeah. it. And then he turned around and it's broke all the rest of them off. so much, it's breaking bolts. Well, and, and another thing, too, Joe, the, the studs, they're not bolts, they're actually mm-hmm. studs. Yeah. They're made out of some kind of, I don't it ain't steel. No, they're some no, kind pig of. Pig iron. Well, 
I'm going to say Asian-type alloy. <laughs> and they're the hardest <laughs> suckers metal. you've ever seen to drill. No, you can't hardly drill them. They're, but, like, uh, they're, they're so hard, they're brittle. Yeah, wrong. but uh, a tool company has come up with a deal on the front of the head and the back of the head. You set this plate up there and you bolt it up to the front of the head, mm-hmm. and it shows you where to drill all the holes you know, where all the broken boats are and gives you a starter spot. Yeah, it gives you a center hole. Yeah, drills it with the eighth-inch drill bit. Mm-hmm. Good grief. Yeah, it's, you, you, a guy comes in, he says, what does it cost to put that manifold on? Well, the labor is $400 if nothing breaks. What if it breaks? Well, it could be another 800 Yeah. Because you may spend eight hours drilling four holes out. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Well, yeah. Tim, Tim's got about seven yeah. hours in this and drilling ten boat holes That's out. What I'm talking about. You're going to spend a lot of money to fix it. Your other choice, pull the head off of it. That costs even more. Yeah. Yeah. So. Something, something to keep in mind. Little little things that happen with cars. All right, Greg, got a 2016 Volkswagen GTI S-Force. It's a 2.1 liter engine. Uh, high. Now, this guy's a gearhead, all right? He's a gearhead because what happens when the system starts in caster steer, steered or fixed fault mode, wheel system, camber, and steering system, transmission, and drivetrain. Where can I see more information? Thanks in advance. This is somebody who knows more than a normal person, or at least to ask a question more than a normal person. Buy that $12,000 computer. <laughs> That's the only way you're going to find out, way. huh? That's the only way you're going to get any more information. Well, explain the distance uh, difference between a caster steer, steered well, or fixed fault mode. Uh, he, the question, in my opinion, is vague, very vague. Okay? Mine too. All right, what he's talking about here, when 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 it starts, and it's got a fault mode. Okay, it's not centered. No, you have to go in there on these vehicles anytime you do an alignment or replace any parts. And 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 center the steering wheel. I know this. I've it's got seen it's it got a happen. it's got a it's got a steering angle center in the steering column. A lot of them have two. One of them in the gear too. So you got to set them up. When you start this up and it sets a fault code immediately, one's out of sync with the other, and it knows that. One's at thirty degrees, and one's at straight. And you can't just do it. You have to actually have a scanner to do it. Like Doug said, you got to have the stuff to do this with. Yeah, like what you have, where you yeah, bring your car up yeah. on the ramp and. You got all these computer things aiming at your car and stuff? And the, the reason it affects the drivetrain and the transmission, because all of that incorporated together, your steering, your analog brake system, your transmission, and your engine are all intertwined to make a traction control system work. Yes. If you slip a tire or wheel on wet pavement, it automatically takes the accelerator away. It controls how much braking you can have or not have. It puts the transmission in a certain gear, and it, and, and it takes away the accelerator to help you control the vehicle. Whether you're a panic stopping or, say, you run off the road and you jerk the wheel back to the left and oversteer mm-hmm. and slam the brakes on, that's, that prevents a rollover because you've got a yaw race sensor in there, too, that's monitoring the G-force, and it's going to control it the it's best it catch can it. to help you not lose control. So All right. That's what all that's about. When we get back, uh, I'm going to talk to you about car keys. They've changed since back in the day, all right? I've learned this. They've changed. We'll tell you how. 
when we return to talk with Joe and Duck about it here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's get our final segment of the Dave Ellswick Show for uh, this uh, Wednesday done. Duck, I'm going to go. Can you talk about that story that you were telling me? Yeah. Okay. I just won't tell no names. I think, I think it's important to hear it because of what they can determine by going to these computers on your car now. Now, go ahead. Well, I had a friend. girl hit him in the back end. It killed her. Her mother and daddy got a lawyer come to him and told him. So they go to Copar, where her car is, pulls the information out of her car, and they contend that the seatbelt pulled out of the floorboard. Joe, how many seatbelts have you ever seen pulled out of the floorboard? None. I don't think I've ever seen none pull out of the floorboard. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so they sue this guy's insurance and all this and rocks along here where they go pull all this information out they can they knew she had the cruise on she didn't have her seatbelt on she had uh uh never applied the brakes so they got all this information they knew out what of, speed she, she was, was running going. 58 mile an hour when she hit him she pushed him he was running 15 mile an hour making a left-hand turn off the main road when she hit him and she he gained nine mile an hour when they pulled information out of his truck because it it sets all that in there and you can't you can't erase it i can't erase it you can't erase it the insurance companies can't erase it can't nobody erase it but her car was a gm and this truck was a ford they're the only people they had to talk to mama and mama can erase it so all at once these comp this lawyer dropped everything and why because they pulled her phone records up and she was texting at the same minute the wreck happened they had the exact time on her phone matching up the exact time, time on the on car computers on the yes. car they and, don't even have to have her phone dave no oh really no. i'm going to tell you if you have an automobile i don't care who made it if you plug your phone in the usb port to charge it they it downloads it. all the information off your phone into really? the immediately yeah they don't even need the phone there. You no. can take the phone and throw it in the lake. When that investigator gets there, he'll pull the infotainment system out. He'll plug in that, and he'll say, this phone, I can show you every picture that was on that phone, it every can. text message, every phone call, up until the very second of the accident. Oh, wow. And, and you, it's in your car. Yeah, think about that, folks. Dave, you buy a new it's 20... It's not just Google you got to worry about. No, you buy a new 2020 <laughs> car or 2021 car today, Yeah, you will sign a form stating that you know this vehicle has a black box just like the airplane's got in it now. Which means? They got they know exactly what you was doing. They know where your hands was. They know if your hands was on the steering wheel. And they know if your, your feet's on, on the accelerator. They know if your feet's on the floorboard. You get uh, an airbag system. Just run you past a few of them, okay? They have occupant sensors in the seat. They know how much the person in the seat weighs. Yep. That controls whether or not the seat belt's on. That controls how hard the bag deploys by yes. weight. There are pretensioners in those seat belts, which means the minute, a fraction of a second before that bag deploys, it tightens the seat belt up and pulls you back in the seat. So you're not heading towards the bag. You're retracting from the bag. And And it it locks the seatbelt. So it doesn't break all the bones in your face. Yes. But, But, Dave, it locks the seatbelt where you're locked in. uh, It tightens it up so tight, and you have to have, most of the time, if you're unconscious, they'll have to take a a knife cut the belt because it's not going to pop loose. No. 
Wow. But if you buy a new vehicle, they will ask you to sign it, and they will explain it to you. This truck, this vehicle has a black box. It don't matter if it's a Ford, a GM, or Dodge, or Nissan, Toyota. They all have – it's something that they've come out in middle of 2019 putting in all vehicles because everybody's on their phone. As Joe Correct. alluded to earlier when we was in there talking, mm-hmm. they can take your vehicle and look at, a, look at your phone. I guarantee you. This wreck they happened, that's what they did. They took the vehicle, pulled all the information out, pulled the phone up, looked at the phone. She was on the same time that she had to wreck. Yeah, I've seen the video of an insurance inspector, and he goes in there and he looks at the SRS module, and he said, I got all this information, and he unplugs it, yeah. pulls the info system out, and plugs in it, and he said, this is everything that's ever been done on her phone. The minute she plugged it into this yep. car to charge it, wow. it downloaded all that information, and it is if it's Bluetooth to that car or not Bluetooth to that car, it's monitoring that phone. So if you're texting or talking on the phone or any distracted driving they're going to know it looking at a video on especially the phone especially when there's a fatality involved because the insurance companies are you know who whose fault is it who are they who's really pay? paying attention that's correct and another thing too if you're in an accident and it is a fatality in it everyone in both vehicles or all five vehicles go get a drug test instantly they the state police took took this guy to the hospital and stood there and watched him pee in a cup and then they sent it you know sent it all he had to sign it state trooper had to sign it the nurse that gave it to him had to sign it the time yep. and you sign it in the whole nine years but that's if it's a death in the accident everybody has to have a drug test okay not just the two drivers words everybody. to the, the wise you're not going to scam anybody it sounds no. like to me best thing do stay off the phone yeah well, absolutely. My, well, you know, it's going. It's they're going to make it now, Joe. Where you got to be hands free. If you're yeah. going to talk on the phone, you know, you got to have it Bluetooth through your car, or through yeah. your radio, or That's something. That's what I got. I got Bluetooth. You know, a lot of cars today, you you can pull that up and you can do hands free texting. Also, you know, you can voice the words and yeah. it'll text it for you. And 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 a, a lot of cars, you can when the when it comes, you have an incoming message from you, push a button and and it'll talk to you. It'll, it'll read, read it to the you. text message to you, so you're not. You're not distracted. You're just more like just listening to the radio. But other than whatever the text is, could be you know upsetting or emotionally or whatever distracting you. But okay. So the know. bottom line is, don't be like that lady that you've seen on Google <laughs> when she found out that Ruth Bader Ginsburg had died, <laughs> going crazy on your phone because somebody has that and it will end up on facebook oh yeah (laughs) i I laughed i posted on that i laughed until my nose ran (laughs) it was so funny watching her just have a conniption fit all right if you don't know what that is look it up all right we got a break i got to get out of here we're done with this edition of uh, joe and and duck coming in joe joe's garage over in north little rock crystal hills road duck duck's garage down on Air Lane uh, Drive drive over in uh, Benton, just down from the Boys and Girls Club. I'll see you at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer.